Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Welcome back from your vacation, your time away in the middle of nowhere. Thank you. Yes, it was. I actually got to unplug for a little bit. So uh, we watched the first six Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> it was good. Huh? Well, we had no internet, so we just been... that's what we had on DVD. <laughs> Man, okay. What is this? <laughs> what is this metric of time that people have where they have time to watch the first six Fast and the Furious movies? Well, we watched like one a night. Like so, we I suppose that's not so bad. Yeah, Who owns them? Like... Who owns the? Coll- I'm not making fun <laughs> of the movies. If you like Fast and Furious, that's fine. But like, I, it doesn't Matt come has off the collector's edition. It actually comes in a round case that looks like a tire. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like, if they didn't Obviously. do a tire, we'd I'd be upset. I'd be wor- I'd be more upset. Yeah. I guess like. There, there's, there are some that are okay films, but isn't there one They're that's really movies, bad? They're good movies, man. <laughs> I think I've only seen the first one and maybe parts oh, of the second man. one. Oh, man, the first one. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Except for, like, the casual homophobic slur that happens at the beginning that makes you remember what the early 2000s were like. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah, the early 2000s were not great years. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Fast and the Furious is still going strong. And, uh <laughs> They are, apparently, which is hilarious and makes me think my phone is listening to me probably much more than I want it to. But uh, my Twitter feed yesterday popped up with an article that was trending about how everyone needs to look equally tough in Fast and the Furious between Jason Statham, <laughs> The Rock, and... <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> they all have to always win somehow, even though they're on opposite sides. And I was just like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> and then I was reading an article that, like, Vin Diesel and... Or maybe it's... No. Yeah, Vin Diesel and The Rock won't be in the same room together. Or maybe it's it's Vin Diesel and someone. <laughs> Aw, that it's makes like, me sad. It's like Wesley Snipes Blade 3 levels of we gotta CG these guys apart, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. Honestly, I'm gonna blame whoever the other person is on the other side of that beef because Vin Diesel is a closet geek and he can do no wrong. He is glorious. So. Off, I don't know. Like, maybe he just plays a lot of butts. You know, he plays a lot of <laughs> bad people. And I just don't know. It just I can't I can't look past that. I don't know Vin Diesel the person. I know Vin <laughs> Diesel the character uh. actor guy. And he just I don't know. He seems like a. I don't think it's The Rock. The Rock comes off as a as a super nice guy, both on film and. I mean, he was in a Disney movie for for heaven's sake. Like he's probably it, the it angel was, in this was, situation. It's probably it's probably Jason Statham. Oh, maybe, I can yeah. see Vin yeah. Diesel and Jason Statham kind of maybe that's getting it. on each other's nerves. Jason Statham I, definitely I looks good, like I would pay good money to see that fight yeah. for for reasons, just yeah. for reasons. Maybe, uh, yeah. Sorry, so video games. <laughs> I don't know. I want to keep talking about Jason Statham and uh, and Vin Diesel fighting. Mm. Fast and furious. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> So while I was away yeah. watching Vin Diesel movies, what were you playing, Ryan? Uh, Fast and the Furious. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I kind of like this topic. Uh, we should do movies, like really old movies. We'll call it uh, we'll call it sack film, and yeah, it'll be great. Um, Perfect. Yeah, that hasn't been done. Uh, so yeah, yeah, speaking of old things, people wanted to go away. I I, uh, I played Dark Siders three. Um, and I, 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 I kid because I've actually been I found the sweet spot with the game and I've been enjoying it. I, I think we talked about it when it came out. You had played it on Xbox uh, one. Uh, yeah, I had the review copy and mm-hmm. I played it on my. Yeah, I, I'm 99 percent sure it was on the Xbox and mm-hmm. it um, yeah, wasn't great because, again, I'm starting to run into the same issue across a whole bunch of my platforms because I have all like the first generation stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've got just the PlayStation four and just the Xbox one, not the X or the, the pro I blanked on the PlayStation one there for a second. <laughs> so like my stuff is, is the older, like less powerful version. So mm-hmm. games just don't play on the, those consoles as well. So yeah. that was my biggest problem with dark siders three was the fact that like, you would hit 
loading screens without there actually being a loading screen. So it would just like freeze your character in place sometimes. And uh, it was so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I picked this up on the Steam sale, which feels like it was forever ago, but also last <laughs> week. Uh, it wasn't last week and it wasn't forever ago. I think it was in July at some point. And yeah, I picked up Dark Which, City. to be fair, was last week. <laughs> it's uh, only yeah. August 2nd. Touche. <laughs> feels like August 22nd. Um, no, but uh, Darksiders 3, so I picked it up on the Steam sale. I have it on PC. And that, you do, you, you're, I'm not noticing the the hardware glitches that you were describing, like longer load times. I, I have it on an SSD that I'm playing it on, which obviously helps, but also being the PC version, it's a little more... It's taking advantage of a, a higher end processor and RAM and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, it runs quite smoothly. Sometimes there's a bit of a slowdown, but honestly, that can be chalked up to just it's a video game. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you definitely would have noticed if you were having the same sort of problems that mm -hmm. I was having on my Xbox because it was literally like every oh, two to three rooms that I would enter. Like, as soon as I entered a larger space from a hallway, it was like, oh, God, what do you want me to load? Oh, man, I am not up to this. Yeah. And this <laughs> that is was my Xbox voice. Yeah, that was spot on. <laughs> oh, you, just, you should have started it with, boom, you know, like the little startup yeah. sign. Then I would have really known what was going on. But, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's interesting. So this is a good example of playing a game, what? nine months after release it's it came out in i think november and oh man was that that long ago i Jeez. think so yeah and so i'm playing it now and like obviously it's seen its full suite of like fixes and updates and two pieces of dlc which i also have uh it was actually cheaper to buy the digital deluxe edition than it was to buy the standalone because i owned all of the other darksiders games and the mm. way steam kind of bundles games it like kind of throws an extra discount in there if you if you have them all which is nice it's oh nice right feeling. so it goes like oh hey why don't you buy all the digital deluxes together what do you know you already own two <laughs> yeah i think i ended up buying like some like the soundtrack to darksiders 2 or something and and that was the only extra thing it still was cheaper but um the game has seen a lot of updates a lot of patches then one of the biggest ones that i think they added er like soon after release was the uh, default controls, like uh, the default combat controls, as opposed to uh, no, sorry, default was what it launched with. Jeez, maybe I'm yeah, also classic. Tired. Classic yeah. was the was the new the new hotness, and because yeah. uh, that was another thing that I found that the combat sometimes was not the greatest, and being able to play the classic style would probably have benefited my playthrough. But I did, like, I did make it all the way through to the end because Darksiders has always been a story that I was really interested in. So I wanted to make it to the end and, and push my way through, but I wish I had had classic controls, but I'm, I'm really interested to know. So did you make it all the way through? I haven't finished the game. I would probably okay. put it up about halfway through. Um, I have been kind of, because I was just so curious about the DLC because Again, like this, the story was really interesting and made me want to to see a Darksiders four. And mm -hmm. the reason I pushed through was to see the end of the Darksiders three story. So I want to see what that like, kind of how the franchise is going to pull everything and come to an end, which I assume it'll do in four because there's four horsemen. So yeah, that just kind of makes sense. Well, <laughs> but there's uh, so essentially on that note, there's a new one coming out called Darksiders Genesis, where you play as the fourth horseman. Um, it's Genesis or, uh, it's strife and war in that game. And it's kind of like a Diablo style sort of twin stick isometric game. Um, it was I announced do during vaguely, I was going to say, I vaguely remember. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I watched any trailers. I was just like, cool. I'll, I'll play a riff on Diablo in the dark Siders style. That sounds, that sounds great to me. Um, and it's nice that they are kind of taking the last horseman like i don't need every horseman to have like a dark siders you know numbered sequel it, especially if it means we're going to get closer to that like you can play as all four and and switch in between them if you want like it's it's pretty it's like a cosmic universe where i'm sure we can just explain away like at the click of a button you turn into another horseman like they just phase in and out like in this one you can change your abilities on the fly just by a press of a button and, it, it, you know, so the cl the classic controls, honestly, for me and for you as well, someone who weren't fans of the Dark Souls style game, 
Uh, I find with the Dark Souls, Dark Souls type games, I, I never finish it. I always kind of fall off because you're constantly bashing your head against these enemies that seem to just be. And I know it's because I'm not. I'm I'm technically not playing the game right because if I was, I would not be dying. But at the end of the day, like I just don't want to brute force through something that is designed to not be brute forced. You know. Yeah. And I'm probably giving the game too much credit and being too hard on myself. But at the end of the day, I was a little worried about switching to classic. I kind of I feel bad when I do that, um, just because it's not. It's not. It's legitimately not the the way the developers wanted people to play the game, but it's nice they put it in there for folks that wanted it. And I gotta say, the classic controls just make the game more playable for me. Like, it allows you to get out of combos whenever you want. It allows you to heal instantly at times that make sense. Um, like, if you're getting hit, you're not going to be able to heal instantly. You have to kind of be sort of able to i guess is the best way to describe it but the the classic controls are just so above and beyond what you know the dark souls s game is offering you and it's really great that they don't tie it to achievements like they say like if you you can switch back and forth if you want to you don't have to be you know set in on a specific control type um but i still found the game was kind of kicking my butt and i did another thing that i don't normally do i actually put it onto story uh, mode difficulty which, again, I'm not saying is something people should never do, but it just kind of feels like this What like this is a setting in there and you're taking away from what the developers wanted you to play. But but honestly, I'm kind of coming around in this scenario in that I'm, the developers were wrong. But for me, like classic controls and story mode made that a better and far more playable game for me. Well, yeah, because, I mean, we, we've talked before about how we're not really fans of the one-hit-and-die mechanics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though I eventually made my way through that game, it was not a great experience at some points because I, I wish I had just, you know, turned on story mode and gone for it. Because I think I played through on... Um, I think there, so there's, is it story mode and then normal and then hard and then some kind of impossible yeah, thematic name for sure. like super uber hard mode? Yeah, so I think I played through on just hard instead of um, normal because I don't know. I That sounds a, terrible. <laughs> like, a glutton for punishment for some reason, I guess. I, I really don't know why. But I think it's because uh, it might be that... Um, you get the like cascading achievements, right? Like I knew I would never do it on Uber hard mode, but I would, you know, if I did it on hard, I would get all the achievements for hard and normal and story. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where steam achievements were always about exploring new, new portions of games. Oh, there's an achievement. If I go in this, in this direction, instead of that direction, I'm going to go check it mm -hmm. out. Um, for some reason, Steam achievements were never like, I got to get all these. Now, there are probably a couple games where I'm like, I'm going to push myself and try to do hard to, to get all these achievements. But it was really on, it was the PlayStation and Xbox where I'd kind of push myself. But nowadays, it's like, I want to enjoy Darksiders 3. I want to enjoy the story. I like the characters. I think a lot of people gave, you know, these characters a hard time, especially in Darksiders 3. But I, I found... I found they were uh they they fit in with just every all the other characters. I mean, Fury likes to yell a lot and she's not very patient, mm -hmm. but at the end of but the day she still comes that's, around. That's her thing, right? She yeah. is Fury personified. That's what she's supposed to do. She's supposed to be angry. Yeah, and it could have been a lot <laughs> like worse. They could have done early yeah. Kratos, right? Where he's literally just yelling at everything including like Va vases 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 whatever mm -hmm. well and i mean i think they did a really good job of personifying war and death in the first two because i mean war was very much again not necessarily quick to anger but quick to fight like his his way of doing things was always very similar to fury where he was just like okay who do i come in and who do i stab like that's what yeah. i do and then death was much more like tricky and kind of um Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like tr like mischievous or devious would be other good words for him. Yeah. He was a little bit quieter as a hero in Darksiders 2. And um, 
I, I really thought they did a good job of making them feel a lot like, like I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Strife um, in this Diablo-ish thing, which is kind of blah, because I'm not a big fan of, of yeah. that genre. But again, like, not a big fan of Dark Souls, not a big fan of Diablo, but, you know, um, I'm sure it still will be fun, because I do remember having fun in Diablo when it first came out, so maybe I just need a I think the more... characters will help. Bring it I was going to say, yeah, a more recognizable story, like a touchstone mm. for me that isn't just like we're throwing you into this world you know really nothing about. <laughs> yeah, I think Strife should be like, you know, uh, like a Nathan Fillion type, but but more gunslingy. You know, mm. I don't know what it is about Strife that comes, you know, I kind of get and I haven't seen any art or seen any cutscenes of Strife, but I think he would he would be good to come come around as like a. Like a like a like a gunslinger, not not an Indiana Jones, like more gunslinger than that, like not even Han Solo, like just even more, you know. <laughs> uh, so like Nathan Fillion in Firefly, and like um... yeah, I guess like I guess like yeah, if if in if in Firefly uh, that character, no one could be around him. Oh oh, you know what it is, uh, Raylan Givens. That, oh, that I love strife. him. He's so good. <laughs> get hell, get Timothy Olyphant to do yes. it. Um, I would. Uh, he would be amazing. That might be too top tier for for uh, top <laughs> top down scroller. Yeah, THQ Nordic. But um, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I surprised myself, and I think it was a moment where I where I grew as a gamer. Where I'm like, you know what? I want to enjoy this game. I have no problem doing this. And honestly. Sometimes when you put it on story mode, this is my problem with story modes and easier difficulties is that oftentimes it does feel like the developers like fine, we'll give you something easy and they just they don't put sort of they don't put as much design or thought into it as they do the 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 intended experience which is normal um or right, whatever they suggest. Often it just kind of feels like they tone down the damage and tone yeah. down the health pools and tone up your health pool like <laughs> Yeah, like just increase some values and and yeah. you know sometimes make the AI a little a little dumber. dumber. But in this case it really feels like the combat's the same, the enemies have the same movements because I I would switch back and forth to kind of get a feel where is this really how I want to play the game and and it is, but in story mode, it really just feels like you do more damage, you can take more hits, but the combat is just as exciting because they they ha it doesn't feel like they've tuned it in a way where the enemies are less aggressive. Pushovers. Yeah. yeah, it just it means you can get you can take more hits, which is awesome because I get hit a lot because I'm terrible at dodging, um, so it works out quite well. And the DLC is interesting. It's two pieces of sort of side content. Um, unrelated to the story, it's kind of throwaway. Uh, the one is, oh, the 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 demon tunnels are being invaded, so we need to go in there and see what's up. And it's uh, it's like a dungeon. It's like, and it feels very Zelda. A lot of like logic puzzles and mm -hmm. you know Zelda type stuff. And each wing ends in a boss, which is really nice. And then that boss gives you a new weapon, which is also really cool. And the weapons are sort of based on your current weapons. So I think. One example was like I think the the lightning weapon originally is I can't remember if it was originally the spear but the, I think I think the new weapon is a spear. So it it has the same effects like lightning is still lightning but you have different move sets and different, you know, you know, charge uh powers different and combos stuff. and yeah. Yeah, and it's really a neat idea. Like that feels like the beefier part of the DLC. The first one that came out was sort of a uh like a like a horde mode, like a like a tower mode where you're you're facing waves of enemies and then you right can kinda... i remember hearing about that now because i was yeah. like that is not a thing that i want to do in that combat system it's but not again, fun cl classic controls might be different but... yeah i played i played it while i was still on default and normal and honestly i think it's just a it's a grindy mode to kind of get you some cosmetics you can get some uh, cosmetic armor and stuff and the armor does look cool i was looking at it in the steam community forums but you know, it's not, it just doesn't, it feels like added, added flavor to the game as opposed to the second piece of DLC, which is actually, you're unlocking stuff that I can then use in my main game, which are new weapons mm -hmm. and stuff that are fun and different. So now I can like, instead of having four, what I'm assuming will be four weapon sets, I now have eight, even though they're kind of similar between the two uh, of the same elements, it's still, it's still a fun thing to change on the fly. So yeah, I'm. 
I'm really enjoy. I'm enjoying it. I'm glad I waited because honestly, the reason I'm enjoying it is because of these changes they've made to the game for the better. Uh, and I think if you you held off based on either our earlier recommendations or just reviews in general, because I think it was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, they've done a lot of work. I I would still recommend checking it out on PC. I I don't know what performance is on the Xbox or PS4. Um, so it's probably best to avoid those platforms if you can. But uh, yeah, the the PC is definitely where it's at with this one. I think it, it runs quite well. And, and I think it's in a place where if you were holding off, it's a it's a good time to pick it up. That's awesome. I, I'm glad that you were able to to have a little bit of fun in there. And, and I'm glad that story mode is still challenging without just feeling uh, scaled back or scaled down. Um, but kind of speaking of something that maybe is not quite <laughs> ready for uh, release. Oh, no. I, well, OK, so I played the Gloomhaven video game and I'm sure you guys remember uh, probably about a year ago. I was talking about Gloomhaven, the board game, and how much fun Matt and I had been having playing that. It's almost like a dungeon crawler D&D type thing. Um, and it kind of just doesn't have all the RP in the middle, which was always the thing that turned me off of D&D. I feel like I'm not enough of a storyteller on the fly to make a lot of the in-between RP stuff actually interesting. I really liked the combat and Gloomhaven kind of felt like a D&D thing that had all of the stuff I didn't like stripped out and was basically just down to the strategy and the combat. So um, if you guys remember, there were a bunch of different characters that you could play and essentially you have cards in your hand and you play two cards a turn and then they go into your discard pile and then you can rest and get all but one of your discards back essentially is how it works. So over time, that's kind of like your, um, your timer on each different dungeon scenario is when you run out of cards, you lose. So it's, it's fairly straightforward in a concept, but when they translated it to the video game, it's essentially Gloomhaven online. Like it basically is like the board game. Like there is, there's like the, the squares are the same, the movements the same, all the rule sets are the same, all the cards are the same. They basically took Gloomhaven and put it onto PC. And that's fine. It's also early access. So there's no actual tutorial, but there's a warning that pops up at the beginning that says, if you're unfamiliar with Gloomhaven, we have a tutorial in the works, but it's not ready yet. We suggest that you go and read up and watch videos on how to play Gloomhaven, the board game, because it's the same. And so I was like, okay, I know how to play Gloomhaven, the board game. So I'm just going to jump right in. And because of my previous knowledge base, like Matt and I have played probably 50 scenarios in Gloomhaven, the board game. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, we've played it all the way to like we've beat the the end boss. Like you, you don't can need still a keep, tutorial. Come on. Yeah, you can still keep playing Gloomhaven once you've actually completed like the main story because there's so many like side dungeons that you can go down and you can always create different characters. And I think there's like. I want to say 12 but there might be more characters in the base game. Mm -hmm. So since there's only two of us, that's a whole lot of different combinations of what we can do. And like we've played with other friends and stuff like that. So there's still a lot of game to be played there if we chose to. Gloomhaven, the video game version, has only four characters right now. And the characters that I played with... I was very familiar with one because it was the character that I started the board game with. So I knew his deck inside and out. I played him for about half of our of our campaign. And then I bounced around to three or four other characters and never found another playstyle I gelled with as well as the first guy I had. So he was really, really easy for me to play. The other character was a character that Matt had played. So I was, again, familiar, but didn't really know all of his like moves and, and best combinations of cards and stuff. Hmm. So it was a, a little bit of a learning curve because you do play in the current iteration. They are going to have multiplayer, but again, this is early access, so there's no actual multiplayer in it yet. But uh, so you as the as the video game player control all of the characters 
that are on like the good guys basically you you control all the adventurers you control the whole party and that was kind of interesting but takes away one of the things that made gloomhaven difficult and interesting because one of the ways of like increasing the difficulty is when matt and i would play we wouldn't know the cards that we were going to play for the round and we wouldn't know our initiative order so sometimes I'd be like, okay, I have this super cool plan. And then we play out our cards and then Matt would go first and then ruin my plan. And you have to kind of adjust on the fly. But when you're controlling both characters, then you can set up initiative order. You can set up like basically a four move set instead of a two move set. And uh, it, it takes a little bit of the guesswork and the difficulty and the um, improvisation it takes a little bit of that out of the game which was kind of unfortunate. But I will say it looks really cool. Mm -hmm. Like the the graphics and the visuals are really, really awesome. They've done, it, it looks quite polished considering it's an early access game. Like you can see all of the like board assets and the character assets and the spell animations. Like all of that stuff is in there and it looks pretty good. I didn't have anything that like straight up glitched on me. It feels like they have a real good, <laughs> very similar to Sea of Thieves, actually. Mm -hmm. Feels like they have a real good base, and now they just ha have to like build it out. Yeah. So it's like yeah. So it's early access. They say probably like another nine, nine to twelve months in early access. Um, yeah. Now, from a gameplay standpoint, like, are you having direct control over characters, or is it turn based? Uh, so yeah, it's turn based. Okay. So it's it's a strategy game. So oh, okay, you're basically cool. like you're moving around the board. So you have to plan your character's movement and then what abilities they're going to use. And then every all of the combat is done in initiative order. And the cards that you play dictate your initiative. And then the enemies get their own randomized initiative. <clears throat> excuse me, randomized initiative. So it's. Uh, a little bit unpredictable like you don't know what your enemies are going to do you don't necessarily know where they're going to go but you can sometimes guess based on you know what your knowledge of the of the characters are which again i went into the first dungeon i faced like skeletal archers a couple of cultists um a couple of spirits and i was like okay i know that like you guys are ranged attackers and you guys are melee attackers and you guys are going to summon more skeletons and because i played through gloomhaven so these character types were familiar to me the other thing that was that was familiar to me was just the fact that you know i had an inventory and i knew about the cards and active abilities and stuff and they give you absolutely zero help like there not only is there no tutorial but there's no tool tips there's no anything so there it took me a while even though i knew how to play the game it took me a while to figure out how to actually like input my commands into the game <laughs> i'd be like okay i want to choose these two cards how do i do that <laughs> you know i want to target this enemy <laughs> it's like two to three minutes to figure out how to target that enemy and cast the card that i want at him so there was a definite learning curve. If you've never played the board game, do not touch Gloomhaven with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> I will probably amend that statement once it's a little bit further on in early access because Gloomhaven itself is a fabulous game. It's very engaging. It's really fun to play. I think it's better, like I said, in a co-op party with somebody else. Mm. But after playing it... Um, like solo, it's not terrible. Like okay. it doesn't necessarily cheapen the experience too much, if anything, because there definitely were times where, you know, Matt would go first, kill everything in the room. And I'm like, well, my turn is stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you just you know, get to loot the room. Yeah. Since I'm not, uh, or since I am controlling both of the characters, that never happens. I can kind of uh, create these much more complicated turns because I know everything that's going to happen. So it's like uh, the positives and pros and cons, positives and negatives to the right. fact that you're the only person playing the game. But uh, yeah, so I, I did play with the Brute and I played with the Cragheart, which, oh my God, I love the Cragheart. The Cragheart is the best character in the game. <laughs> Don't at me. But um, or, I, yeah, I or do at me. Or do, but, you never uh, know. Yeah. 
I think once the tutorial is implemented to kind of um, bridge the knowledge gap in people who are not necessarily familiar with the board game, and then also once multiplayer is actually implemented, I think that this is going to be a really, really great game. And you can see the direction that they're trying to take it because I think they've got something like 10 or so scenarios in there. And I mean, Gloomhaven, the the base game, has I think about 100 dungeons Mm -hmm. to play through. So it very much seems like when I went into the first dungeon, again, I totally recognized it as one of the ones that we had done with with the enemies and everything else. So it very much seems like they are taking Gloomhaven, the board game, and putting it onto the computer, but then also just the way that the story started is different than the board game. So I feel like they're going to pull some scenarios from the board game, do some of their own stuff. And uh, I th- I'm interested to see where this ends up in a year. But um, the only people who should be playing it right now are people who are super passionate about Gloomhaven and who have put in quite a few hours and know most of the characters because... Otherwise, it's just going to be a very, very, very frustrating experience because you don't have like you'll be trying to learn how the game works at the same time as how the UI works. Like I only had to learn how the UI worked and it was frustrating enough Mm. (laughs) with my base game knowledge playing a character that then ended up being like the first character they give you. So I was like, oh, I have a very, very deep familiarity with this character and how he's supposed to work. So this is going to be pretty easy for me. So, yeah, if you come in without that knowledge, oh, it's going to be rough. And I've seen some people be like, this is the worst game I have ever played. Like, (laughs) Gloomhaven is officially a thing that happened to me. It's now one of my traumas. And I'm like, that's a little bit harsh, you guys. Like, it's not that bad. It's actually very polished, not buggy. Like, I'm having a really good time in the game but i also have a vast knowledge base of gloomhaven that Mm. many people are going to be lacking (laughs) that's a very good caveat to the game to say like it's it's in a good state but it's sorely missing a tutorial which honestly i mean i might be wrong with this assumption but for me when you build a digital version of the board game there's a couple of things, there's a couple of audiences you're aiming at. People who have never played the game nor have the time or people or even, you know, money to invest in such a large board game. Uh, and also for those who want to play it sort of on the go or whenever they, you know, they without the all the setup, without the, yeah. without the space and the, yeah, because Gloomhaven takes up a lot of space. Like we bought a gaming table to play yes. Gloomhaven. So, yeah, yeah. And I think it's a big game and a big investment for sure. And, and this can, is a much more accessible version of it. Yeah. And you can hardly even like, I bet you right now, if I tried to go buy Gloomhaven, the board game, I would be struggling as opposed to I can go to Steam right now and buy Gloomhaven. On Steam. Oh, yeah. Gloomhaven is really, really hard to find. Like it was number one on BoardGameGeek.com forever, like basically mm-hmm. since it launched, like it's got amazing reviews like everyone that i've talked to who plays it with one exception but he's somebody who doesn't really like anything so <laughs> i kind like of a lovely take, person i kind of take his opinion with a grain of salt but um, <laughs> he doesn't like anything that's, no that's not a, that's not a compliment jocelyn i don't think i've ever had a conversation with him where he's started it with oh hey joss i have this thing that i like that you should see it's always Ugh, I tried this thing and it was awful. <laughs> I mean, he probably likes breathing, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess it depends where you live. Like, oh, man, I live near a dump. Yeah, and every exactly, time I breathe, it's just smells. like, man, I want to take an air freshener and just hang it off my tonsils. See, like, okay, buddy. I could see him saying that. I can see him saying that. So We'll have to talk uh, offline and see if, I, I honestly don't have, I have no guesses who, to who this is, but. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyways, um. <laughs> Everyone else I've talked to has sure. had a positive experience in Gloomhaven and really likes playing it. I so I um, <laughs> I, I'm sure you do. Okay. So I think that uh, the the video game itself will get to a place where it is accessible for a larger audience. But right mm-hmm. now, basically, I think what they're looking for is actually the the kind of parallel that I'm drawing in my head is between Gloomhaven and WoW Classic because sure. I feel like 
the WoW devs were very much looking for people who had already played WoW Classic to point out bugs, to point out mistakes and say, this didn't translate well or whatever, like that have a very deep base knowledge of what these video games are based on. And so right now it's not meant for people who are trying to experience Gloomhaven in a different medium or for the first time. It's meant for people to go in and try to break it be bug testers like what what like beta tests and early access really should be right so this is not the final version of the game if what you're looking for is a polished experience don't buy this game right now pretend it hasn't come out wait until 2020 when it does have a proper retail release and then go check it out because like i said it's very pretty and they've obviously gone to great pains to recreate like the miniatures and the feel of the characters and there's a lot of like weight and physics to the game that you may not necessarily expect and a lot of the magical effects are really pretty so it's in a very good visual space right now and you can see the people that made it really enjoy and care about the board game and want to see it succeed on the pc so Give it time. Mm -hmm. And if you're like me and you've played a lot of Gloomhaven, then you're one of the people that should be in there as kind of like an early access tester. Like they want people knowledgeable and passionate. So mm -hmm. get in there, be knowledgeable and passionate and support the developer because you can really tell they care. They're not throwing this together just on a whim <laughs> to kind of capitalize on the name. Like you can tell it's a labor of love, and I did enjoy uh, the limited time that I spent in there. That's really good. Yeah, and this is uh, developed by Flaming Fowl Studios, the guys that did, or the team that put together that uh, Fable card game. Uh, so a lot of ex-Lionhead right. developers um, that moved on from the canceled Fable project to work on oh. this card game. I know. Well, it's coming back. Don't worry. The Fable's been dead long enough that they can resurrect it without microsoft looking bad like they'll actually be a hero even though it's kind of their fault but uh <laughs> it's uh it's really cool i would really love to know what this game plays like from your perspective once the tutorial is added uh because i think that would be a good revisit point for this it's like okay when they've added that tutorial like does it make the entire game playable or does it make like just the starting point playable and you have to figure out the rest yourself like this seems like a pretty complex game where that mm -hmm. tutorial has to be smartly designed and i'm kind of glad they held it back because sometimes with early access they just feel this need to kind of either throw in like a splash screen at the beginning to be like ah this is how you play um other times they do this where they just apologize and say it's coming later like it's it's early access. oh yeah they they totally they put up a warning they're like yeah. you should not be here if this is what you're looking for they should maybe put that on the store page i don't i didn't mm -hmm. see it there but honestly that would probably be I mean, they might do it once they realize if they realize they're getting a lot of, you know, negative press. But I, I mean, it's it seems to be positively reviewed on Steam. So that's good. Yeah. The people who bought it on Steam do seem to be um, reviewing it fairly well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mostly like on Twitter that I've seen people um, be like boo earns. And I'm like, mm, you guys that's, that's like twitter now that's just twitter yeah well that's the thing right and that's what i'm trying to kind of take with it with a grain of salt and i think we've talked about this a few times with video game reviews it's just like it seems like everyone's just mad about everything now and nobody can find the fun so i don't know who to trust because everyone just seems to be crapping on everything so <laughs> i mean that's a take right like that's yeah. one take you can have and uh the other take is I don't know, just not... What is the saying? Yucking people's yums. I don't say it out loud very what? often. You've never heard that? <laughs> no! You've never heard that statement? I, I, no, I don't want to yuck your yum. Have, it, I have not. I feel awkward <laughs> saying it out loud now that you've never heard it. It's gr It sounds super gross. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. If I say it again, yuck... No, I can't do it. Now I can't do it. <sighs> I feel oh terrible. Oh my god. It's a real thing. <laughs> There's no way I made up something that clever on the fly. Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. We'll I'm, get comments sure, in the Discord. <laughs> I'm sure that it is a thing. It's just not a thing that I have ever heard, but that doesn't mean it's not a thing. Hey, man, oh, don't be man. stepping on us cool young kids. Oh, you know what else is a thing? <laughs> What's that? That I keep coming back to. I know. I just, I just can't quit it. 
Well, and it's because they keep releasing expansions every other day. I know! <laughs> and every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, I like cats and dogs. Don't I like being famous. I like going outside. <laughs> I don't, actually. I am actively currently controlling a much smaller in the computer version of me who likes to go outside and go. who actually can garden. I'm like, <laughs> this is the funniest ever because I literally put a garden outside my outside of my house in the sims 4 so we're talking about sims 4 if you guys haven't figured that out yet mm -hmm. and uh, so i actually put a vegetable garden in the backyard and i'm sending my sim out and she's she's planting and she's weeding and she's like pouring water on them and stuff and i'm like I haven't been out to my garden in my yeah, backyard. Yeah, you have a garden. What are you doing? I do have a garden. And I haven't been out there to tend my garden since before we went away on You also vacation. have a cat, right? I do also have a cat. And I have a cat in The Sims 4 that's orange and named Thrall as well. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm not making yeah. fun. I just So is that the newest expansion, just outside? <laughs> <laughs> There is an outdoor living one, but uh, honestly, I couldn't even tell you what the most recent expansion is. I have just seen like a whole lot of my favorite Twitch streamers were kind of like playing whatever the game is that they were known for and then kind of flipping over to Sims 4 just as like a cool down or they had like houses filled with characters like subs from the stream or I had one girl who's a DVD streamer who made like all the survivors and had a house full of the Dead by Daylight survivors that she'd made so like I don't know they're just there's this element of creativity to The Sims 4 that appeals to me when I just kind of want to turn my brain off and I love that I'm talking about how cool and creative things can be. And then I literally just made a carbon copy of me and put her in the game. Um, but I didn't realize if you don't make your Sims exercise, they get fat. So my Sims really fat now. Even though, even though <laughs> she's going outside. Reason, yeah, for some reason, my Sim being really fat makes me feel bad about me. So I think maybe I need to start playing a household that doesn't mirror mine so closely so that like my body image is not tied to my super overweight Sim. I don't know. Well, But anyways, the whole point of this was to say that there are now, and, and this is kind of my, my overarching problem with the Sims as a franchise now, is that we are, I believe there's either seven, if not eight expansions. There are, so <laughs> there's tiers to Sim expansions and DLC. So there's mm -hmm. like, there's expansions, which are like $60, which are, you know, adding new towns, adding new functionality, adding new like objects. And like, they are very, very, very large additions to the game. Then there are... I guess they're called game packs, which like add in some cases like storylines, in some cases a new mechanic. Like I think Vampires was a game pack uh, or Fitness is a game pack, which apparently you can get fat sins even if you don't own the fitness game pack. But whatever. <laughs> oh, they made they made getting fat a free update. That's bullshit. <laughs> Right? I don't, I, well, technically, you can, you do have like a treadmill in the base game. That's a thing. But like gyms and owning a gym and having a gym career and everything else, that's all new. But, um, anyways, anyways, that's a bit of a tangent. But, um, so there's kind of those game packs. And then there's stuff packs, which are like around $15, I think. And those are just like, we're adding more outfits, we're adding a few objects, like, for instance, there's a pets expansion and then a pets stuff pack. So in the pets expansion, they added the ability to create dogs and cats in the same way that you can create a person. Oh. They added like all of the objects that go along with them. They added the veterinarian career. They added a whole new town. And then the stuff pack is like there's a hamster cage and there's like a fish bowl and it's like basically like small pets and then I think pet costumes and, and something else. Like so it's it's kind of like little extra stuff. But then part of me is like, why don't you just put that little extra stuff in the freaking expansion? <laughs> yeah, that seems a bit like I know they want to space it out, but 
I mean, I don't know. They ch- Well, then there's like there's a parenting one. Uh-huh. And then there's like a toddler stuff pack. And it's like you can like send your toddler to preschool or so I don't even know. That's something people Anyways. Do, yeah. yeah, but that's like the thing they added in the stuff pack. Anyways, it's weird, but Yeah. My problem with all of this is so I think I bought over the course of um I guess since the release of Sims 4, I've purchased, I believe, four expansion packs and three game packs and then three um, three stuff packs. Mm-hmm. And that combined with the base game of Sims 4 and all of the background free updates that they've done... Now I feel like Sims 4 is the kind of game that I can really dig my teeth into, that I'm very much enjoying, that has all of the things that I felt it was missing. It That's all there now. You know, it's, it's much, much easier to move around and feel like you're part of the city, though there's still load times. I mean, I think, was it, it was either Sims 2 or Sims 3, I can't remember now. It might have been Sims 3, where, like, it would be like a loading screen, but the loading screen was like you, your sim would get into like a taxi and then you would follow the taxi from, you know, place one to place two through the town. So technically there was nothing you could interact with. It was definitely loading the place you were going, mm-hmm. but it was doing it in what was a much more immersive way than popping up a like quick tips. Here's a picture of your sim right. <laughs> like type of a screen. So, um, it's still not all the way there in terms of immersion, but the background like systems and everything that you can do is much, much better than when Sims 4, the digital deluxe launched. And that was like, I want to say 2015 now. I'm pretty sure we're about four years into the lifespan of the Sims 4. And it shouldn't take four years for a game to feel like a fully fleshed out concept. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what happens now that you've said that out loud is The Sims 5 gets announced. Oh, I know. I, I'm over. surprised. I'm surprised when I looked at how long it had been since The Sims 4 had released. Because I looked at it and I was like, wow, there's so many expansions and game packs now. Like, this must be getting to the end of its kind of development cycle. And I looked and I was like, oh, yeah, 2015. Damn, that came out a long time ago. It feels like it just launched because I had so many problems with it. And I kept, you know, walking away and then coming back and, and giving, you know, the base game and one expansion a shot. But it turns out that the the magic number is the base game plus four expansions. And then you start to feel like it's an immersive world. <laughs> so, I mean, it, I've spent so much money on this game now, but... I have played over the past few nights, I've played a good like 12 hours of Sims probably. Like I've sat down and had a few nights of four hour sessions in the Sims and I've had a really good entertaining time. I did make one big accidental mistake though. Um, I was playing as my household and apparently there are like played households and unplayed households and they're actually like flagged as such in the map of the town when you're first loading into the game. And I thought that I was like selecting the house as in like, I want to play that one. But apparently I was changing the flag from a played household to an unplayed household. And if you guys don't want to know, like a super easy cheat way to play the game, maybe stop listening now. But um, basically I flagged it as unplayed and went, oops, that's actually a household that I want to play. And it reset my money to 20 grand, which is like, which is the starting amount that you get to like buy your lot, buy and build your house and furnish your house. So my sim went from like $20 in the bank, freelancing her ass off, which again, maybe I should have (laughs) picked a little bit further from home (laughs) career. But anyways, um, she went from a like $20 in the bank freelancer to all of a sudden being able to afford a second home if she wanted one. So yeah, that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, it worked out really well because then I could just buy everything I wanted. <laughs> well, you know, if only life had that toggle. Right? <laughs> Where's the person toggling my play status? <laughs> yeah. Just give me 20, 20 grand. I'll even yeah, take 20 similar. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, twenty grand. That would fix so many things. It would fix including a lot. yeah, including the leaks in my basement. <laughs> Not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> Think but of yeah, the leaks so. you can fix with twenty grand. <laughs> oh my From god. From head to toe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> I don't have that many leaks. I wasn't talking about you. I was just making fun of the general statement but no i think it's uh it's good that you're playing sims 4. you know honestly there's there's not many games that after four years people go back to and and play so i think we talk about it on the show i'd say every maybe six months at least once a year and that's really I think, cool. yeah it's about once a year that i go back to it because mm-hmm. the sims as a franchise is just it's has such a special place in my heart because mm-hmm. i would come home from school and i was not the most um outgoing or social or loved person in high school i think a lot of people probably listening to the sound of my voice didn't have the greatest time in high school so i would come home and escape into my sim world and you know whether that was healthy or not (laughs) still remains to be seen but the point is you know i would go into that original version of the sims and i mean oh god making magic was such a fun expansion and Hmm. it just like there was just so much to do and it was my escape from a lot of crappy stuff. So mm-hmm. it just, it has this, like, I've kind of, I've grown with the franchise, I guess, much the same as probably like you with Halo, right? Like it mm-hmm. was the thing that you did and you have so many fond memories of that, that you will play every Halo game that comes out. I will play every Sims game that comes out. I just hope, and I, I mean, I'm not going to hold my breath because I feel like they've gotten worse with every iteration of like stripping the original like base game down to its bare bare bones because they upgrade the engine behind it so much that then they just don't put too much on top of it on launch Mm. and they fill in all those gaps with expansions so i don't know i i think now with the expansions that i own i will probably play a lot of sims 4 and totally ignore sims 5 for a few years like if they announce it for 2020 i'll be like okay i'll take a look at that in 2023 when there are expansions of content that i want because now the thing that i've learned about the sims is that the base game is going to be crap but if you (laughs) give it some time and you give it some expansions then it's still the same sims that you love so if you haven't looked at the sims 4 in a while take another look but keep in mind it's not cheap Right, because you still have to own the base game, and then in order to get the expansions, each expansion is sixty bucks. But you can do their bundle thing, which of course I did, uh, where you can add an expansion, a game pack, and a stuff pack, and all of that is sixty dollars instead of, I think like, sixty, twenty-five, and fifteen. So you you save a lot of money <laughs> by bundling it up. So it's yeah go and do the bundle if you are going to buy stuff <laughs> yeah and you know what also might be an option is ea i know we don't like to talk about subscriptions but ea access premier not origin but premier the 20 dollars canadian service i don't know how much dlc it would give you but the base sims 4 game is part of access and premier and uh, i'm sure in premier they give you a couple of expansions for your troubles uh so that might be a oh way man to... i'm gonna be so mad because i totally forgot that there was another upgrade to that subscription because i have the like ea access right and so i saw that the base game was free on access and i was like ah, i already own that so whatever i don't know um, what version it would be but i would imagine there would be a couple expansions but honestly the way you play this game like it probably makes more sense but uh, i guess uh, i guess maybe if you're playing like for a month once a year maybe it does make more sense to subscribe but i don't know like i think it sounds like you like back to it so yeah i mean it is what it is i spent money (laughs) look into it guys do your research don't be me (laughs) that's what you should take away from this no but i i I don't know what it is but i know it's marked premier (laughs) so uh, I don't know what that means, whether it whether it comes with a bunch of expansions. But you said there's lots, so it sounds like you'll have to buy. Oh, God, there's so many. No matter <laughs> what. Um, there's so yeah. much content. I had a whole entire conversation with Josh because I was like, okay, here's the stuff I've already bought. Here's my budget. Like, what things do I need to buy that are going to give me the best experience? Because Josh is uh, my resident go-to Sims expert at this point. He's uh, played more than anyone else I know, and he's all about it. He's another one who's constantly jumping back into Sims. So 
yeah, he, he advised me on what to get. So I went by everything that he'd had good experiences with. And I have now had good experiences in Sims 4. It just took me four years to get there. It took EA four years to get there, I guess. But Jeez, this is expensive. I'm looking at the DLC now. Like, holy crap. Yeah, dude. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> Which, I mean, if you had been buying it every six months or so when they released an expansion... You wouldn't feel it as much. But when you go to the page to look for Sims 4 and then you're like, wow, okay, eight expansions worth and five or six uh, game packs and then, you know, 20 different stuff packs. Like, that is so much money. <laughs> yeah, I'm not seeing what Premiere comes with. But yeah, like it, it, it would be it would be probably a good first step if you're looking to try it, even if you had the basic just to see if it's your your style of game. But yeah, no, it sounds mm -hmm. It sounds like a good comfort food type game, you know? Yeah. You need those. It's a good, like, it's a good, like, relax. And especially for me, it's non-competitive. Mm. I am not, I am playing by myself. I'm not competing with anyone. There's no ladder or leaderboards. Like, everything else that I play, like, my raid team is competing for how quickly we can finish heroic bosses in both our raid and on our server. And then Hearthstone, all I do is play against other people on ladder. And then Dead by Daylight, same thing. All Dead by Daylight is, is either, you know, I'm the killer trying to kill four people or I'm part of a team of four trying to outwit the killer. And it's just competition, competition, competition. So Sims 4 is a really nice palate cleanser that just feeds my sit back and relax, kind of like Stardew Valley did um, at the point when everyone was playing Stardew Valley. Mm -hmm. It's a really good just kind of sit back, relax, like st strategize and, and manage and, and control. But, you know... You don't have to be like you're not trying to win. There's no win. You never win The Sims. No, <laughs> so, unless you die. But yeah, it's then you have nice. kids. So. Yeah, yeah. So it just it just kind of keeps perpetually going. Hmm. Yeah, which yeah. is probably a good life lesson. Probably no. Yeah. It, it no is. one ever wins at life. That and <laughs> <laughs> actually, the game of life is a good life lesson. No one wins in the game of life. So oh, they man. did it first. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so tell me about Fire Emblem Three Houses, because I've seen a lot of people talking about this on my Twitter feed, sure. and it does not seem like a thing that I would be into, because I haven't been grabbed and pulled in by Fire Emblem in the past. So is this more of the same, or is this something totally different? So... First off, I, like we've are, we've been going quite, we're almost at the hour mark. So I I was thinking maybe do like a really like two minute synopsis sure. just to tease for next week. I love that you're gonna take like two minutes to do your two minute. No, now yeah, you're to your two minute <laughs> synopsis. I will say though, if you're interested in like some deep dives, which we will probably do for a couple weeks, check out Summoner's Call where we are talking about Fire Emblem uh, Three Houses as well as the mobile spinoff game fire emblem heroes but um i'll probably talk more about it more about three houses next week but essentially i feel like the game has taken what we know and love about fire emblem which is the strategy side of it and the grid-based combat and and the characters with deep backstories and dialogue and support conversations and have added a metagame that actually fits within the uh the idea of these characters that are interacting and growing beside each other right so the core tenets of fire emblem were that you the the longer your characters fight together the more support they develop for each other then they have you know tiered conversations sometimes leading to you know <laughs> for, i i mean i got there eventually like yeah. tiers like on a three-tier cake or something sure but when you said tiered conversations i thought you meant like real sad conversations Sometimes they have they sad like conversations yeah sharing all their emotions and crying together it happens <laughs> and i was like no wait he meant like tier one tier two tier three <laughs> i did however there are certain characters that will uh that have you know they have those type of conversations it, the game is is kind of a wide variety of characters and that's what makes it so special but the cool part about the metagame in three houses is that you are a professor at a uh, an esteemed school, an academy where all these uh, these these nobles and commoners have gathered, and they're learning to be, you know, uh, they're at well, they're at an academy. They're learning about fire emblem stuff, like lances and swords and axes and all that and magic. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> Harry Potter, but if people actually, you know, did stuff and fought each other with axes, I don't know. 
like <laughs> i guess the last three books basically but um so yeah it's like harry potter like the the metagame is you are a professor and you're running around the school and you're talking to people and having conversations and i think in this game that metagame is far more important and far larger than any other fire emblem game that i've played which is rather interesting i was worried that ah, oh, this is getting in the way of my strategy combat but honestly like it just enhanced what i what i liked about the game before which were these like character interactions right so mm-hmm. whether that means you would enjoy the game like the combat like the turn-based combat is far removed enough every so often that you're actually by the time combat rolls around you're like oh great we're back into combat this is awesome as opposed to in the other game you, you if you were not a big fan of grid-based combat you'd, you'd probably have to put the game down and take a break after playing two or three maps um but yeah like it's a it's a solid game and honestly adds some much needed depth to sort of the story and the the character interactions uh, with the so- the sort of school metagame as you're running around talking to people and interacting and there are like little quests that people give you like everything from you know catch this specific fish to uh, go deliver this letter to someone like little stuff that kind of sends you back and forth but it's it's oddly satisfying to kind of like run around as this professor and interact with all your students and have these conversations um it's it's really cool honestly it's a it's a really neat addition to this game and i i did not anticipate enjoying that portion of the game as much as i as i have been it's been because i really like interacting with the characters so like this just gives you more of that outside of the battlefield like original the other fire emblem games it was like you would do the battle and then sometimes you would have to like walk up to someone to get the support conversation and then eventually they just made it a, an option in a menu after after combat you just go to the support option and it just shows two talking heads talking to each other right so this one kind of builds that out a lot more and gives it more context but uh yeah i i think um i think for you i think if you were looking at this game you'd have to you'd have to be into the type of characters they're they're sort of throwing at you and and the fantasy story of it all um it's it's quite interesting there are three warring houses and they're all at the same school they're not warring i guess that's a bit of a <laughs> they're they're more just coexisting they're, they're competing yeah they are competing yes but and it's not like but in all the houses are it's not like harry potter where it's like oh there's clearly the bad house and there's clearly mm-hmm. like the fluffy house and you know and there's the two houses <laughs> in between that are, like people actually like to be a part of I'm not going to name names because we'll get emails. Um, but uh, <laughs> but then in, in Fire Emblem Three Houses, like there are, these three houses are very, you know, they're distinct, but not one of them kind of jumps out at you as like, this is the bad house, this is the good house, this is the neutral house. So it's in typical Fire Emblem fashion, like the story is very deep and, and sort of fits within the characters they're sort of putting forward. But uh, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'll talk more about it next week. I'm, I'm not too far into it. I've only It's only been out a week, but I'm slowly kind of making my way through it. I'm thinking I'm like chapter seven now. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it for sure. And I, I think, I can't remember if, uh, if Matt played the Fire Emblem games or he would probably dig the strategy parts of this game um he might not like the he might like the dialogue stuff there's a lot of it's all voice acting but there's a lot of dialogue and character interactions i wonder if maybe it's a game we should play together where like i can play through all the dialogue trees and stuff and then matt can just play the strategy so i'll be like hey honey here have fun and then he could be like uh talking and then yeah we can go back and forth (laughs) it would probably be a good a good uh a good shared game i think it's pretty it's laid back and that's what i really like about these games is that you you're never it's kind of like your sims 4 and that you're not really having to be on the ball you can kind of just you know lay back and play it's not like playing mario or a combat based game you can kind of just you know progress through at your own pace and set the controller down if you need to, just to listen to the conversations that are happening. But uh, the combat is uh, is a lot of fun too, and they've made some improvements. But um, yeah, the whole the whole game is a is a complete package. It's like they've really taken the Fire Emblem sort of franchise and really ran with it, as opposed to just making like another upresed or another just another 3DS type game. Like this is its yeah. own thing, which is 
I mean, that's all you can ask for with the way that they have been releasing Switch games, where it's kind of like a better version of the Wii U Wii U one. This one feels like they set out to make a proper console Fire Emblem game that also plays well on handheld. So mm-hmm. it's really good. Yeah, I, I mean, if you guys are itching for a, for a game to play together, uh, for him, this might be one to at least check out and do a little research on. Sounds good. I mean, like, it's probably not up my alley necessarily, mm-hmm. but might might be, like you say, a good thing to play together. Very, very cool. Well, I look forward to hearing more about what you have to say next week. But uh, until then, uh, you can check us out on patreon.com slash thegamersin. Uh, thank you to all of our patrons who are supporting the show. You can also head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord or email the show at info at gamersinpodcast.com. You can visit us on the web at the same place, gamersinpodcast.com, or you can follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at JossPlays, Ryan is at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are also available after the fact over on Twitch. Thank you guys so much for listening. I totally forgot what I normally say here, but it's something about ins. Goodbye. Goodbye.